0: Welcome to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to The Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few moments, I would like to invite you to stay tuned. You know the drill, 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, And it's all done with no manipulation because we don't try to coerce you into doing anything. We're not trying to solicit money. We're not trying to sell anything. We're not asking you to join anything. This show is simply about giving you accurate information. Hopefully, information that will verify and, in fact, identify God's plan for your life. And if that can be done, you have the freedom to orient and adjust to the plan. It's all up to you. It's your life. It's up to me to get it right. But if I can get it right and get it accurate and not misrepresent the plan of God, then you can use your own volition to make a decision. Whether yes, you want to obey that plan, or no, you got a better deal. (laughs) And I can't imagine a better deal. So today we want to take a look at a subject that is uh, very interesting. My pastor recently was teaching a lesson on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, he is now in 700 hours, over 700 hours in the life of Christ, the series that he's teaching. If you're interested in hearing this series, you can contact me, rick at rickhughesministries.org. That's rick at rickhughesministries.org. Or you can write to me at P.O. Box 100 Cropwell Alabama 35054 that's P.O. Box 100 Cropwell Alabama 35054 and if you do I will link you up I'll tell you how to get these studies they're free of charge there's never a charge for accurate teaching of the Word of God but he has done a phenomenal job over 700 hours as I said currently studying the life of Christ And the particular lesson that he was dealing with that got my attention recently was the visit of our Lord to Bethany in the house of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And that passage can be found in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Listen as I read it. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. As I listened to my pastor teach this and learned what was going on here, he presented the attitude that Martha assumed when she was angry about Mary not helping her in the kitchen. And I began to reflect on the times in my own life that anger has gotten me into trouble. How about you? Has anger ever gotten you into trouble? Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice this is a very hard thing for a competitive person a person that has a competitive drive often is driven to anger especially if he's defeated or or if he makes a mistake that he doesn't you know he gets mad at himself sometimes or or mad at other people I don't know about you but all my life I've had those anger issues and Maybe it's because I grew up without a father. Maybe it's because I grew up in a federal housing project and I was shuffled around to different guardians that took care of me and looked after me until I was about 13 years old. I don't know. Or maybe it's just my own arrogance. I tend to think that's what it is, my own arrogance. Because whenever you get angry, if you'll think about this, you surrender control of your life to the individual that you're angry with i mean you don't get angry at a tree you don't get mad at a tree you don't get mad at a rock you get mad at a person and when you get mad at a person you surrender control of your life to that person if a person is a psychological expert and they know how to manipulate you they can really get you out of sync and off your timing for example a professional prize fighter will always attempt to get into the head of his opponent or to make him angry because if he gets angry he will begin to swing wildly and he will not effectively counterpunch. he won't effectively have an offensive plan to take his opponent out and Satan is very good at trying to get us angry as a matter of fact you remember Peter in the Bible got very angry when they came to take Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane so much so that he pulled out a sword and attempted to cut off the head of one of the captors that came you may remember the captor ducked and Peter only whacked his ear off and our Lord patiently put the ear back on and told Peter to put his sword back up that tells me the disciples were armed that's interesting isn't that and so uh, Peter had an anger issue he sure did and so do a lot of people in the Bible And Moses had an anger issue. You might not remember this, but Moses, once he found out that he was uh, a Jew and not an Egyptian, he went out and saw the Jews being persecuted one day, and he deliberately murdered the Egyptian taskmaster that was uh, persecuting the Jews. This caused him to have to flee Egypt when an arrest warrant was put out for him, And he fled all the way to the backside of Midian to the Midian desert. And there he stayed 40 years and married a Midianite priest's daughter until God appeared to him in a burning bush and told him to go back and lead the Jews out of Egypt. He wasn't too happy about going back, but he did. And later, at the second Meribah appearance, Moses got angry at the Jews because he was afraid, and from what I can read into the passage, that they would not go over the Jordan River and possess the promised land just like the first generation had rejected to go over the Jordan River and so he chewed them out And that got him in a lot of trouble with God he was not allowed to go into the promised land he died on the other side of the Jordan River because of what happened you can read about it in Deuteronomy the third chapter in that last year of the life of Moses he wrote the book of Deuteronomy by the way so Anger has been around a long time. If you have an old sin nature, you have a tendency towards anger. And it all has to be addressed, and it all has to be started, even when you're young. You know, I bet, <clears throat> like me, you, you have a temper. I'm not 25 anymore, but my temper thinks I'm still 25. And besides, when, when I was in school, a fight after school was pretty common, Nobody went to jail, nobody went and got a gun and shot somebody, but not so much today. I assure you, not today. Road rage, irrational anger can get you shot and killed in a heartbreak, just in an instant. In my school ministry, I've often met students who had anger issues, issues with other students, issues with their parents, they were angry all the time so let's look at a critical verse concerning parental anger it begins in Ephesians chapter 6 here's what Paul wrote in verse 4 and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord we have a present active imperative of the verb paragizo wrath Wrath is the verb paragizo. The imperative mood here in the Greek is a mandate from God through the Apostle Paul that no parent is to ever provoke his child to wrath. That means to exasperate the child or to provoke the child to anger by means of unfair discipline. If you'll think about it, if you grew up in a home with more than one sibling, I did not, I, I I was an only child, but if you grew up with two or three siblings, did you ever get accused of something that you didn't do? In my house, after I got married and after we had children, it was always the not me monster that did everything. Not me, dad. Not me, dad. Not me, dad. It was always the not me monster. And so sometimes everybody got disciplined because not me, monster, it didn't come out of the closet. And uh, if you're disciplined for something that you didn't do, that can get you pretty angry, because you have a tendency to react rather than respond. And so the anger is often set up by emotional reaction to unfair treatment. The Bible goes on to say that a father should not provoke his child to wrath, but bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word nurture is an interesting word. It's the word padia. P A I D E I A. Padia. And by the way, we get an English word from that called paddle. Padia means to mold character by reproof. It can even be to chastise with blows or whipping. Is it wrong to whip your children? The Bible says if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil the child. So in our society today, especially with high-profile individuals, it has become critical that they not whip their children. But whipping your children when they violate authority is uh in my opinion necessary not beating your children no not a beating but a whipping if you grew up not getting a whipping you grew up unleashed on society you see what every child has to learn is respect for authority and without authority respect there's nothing but arrogance run wild and so When a child violates an order, a direct order, when that child does not give in to authority, then there are one or two ways to discipline that. One is by paideia, and the other is by admonition. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word admonition is the Greek word nousia, n o u t h e s-i-a it comes from the Greek word nous which means mind m-i-n-d so on one way you put something on the rear end and on the other hand you put something between the ears so you can teach them by paddling or you can teach them by instruction which one do you use well it depends on the temperament of the child if the child reacts To discipline and gets angry then you have to break that anger you have to break that authority rejection without the child learning to submit to the authority of the parent they will never submit to the authority of the police officer they will not submit to the authority of the principal of the school they will not submit to anyone's authority they will be maladjusted in society because the parent never broke the arrogant streak. So let's get some principles here. One, anger is one of the first issues that a child must learn to control. Anger must be controlled. Two, being disciplined unfairly is often the cause of rebellious anger. Being disciplined unfairly is often the cause of rebellious anger. Now, if you take a child that has humility, and this is what we're trying to instill in our children, humility, not arrogance. That doesn't mean they can't play football. And that doesn't mean they can't be competitive. That means they are oriented to authority. If you take a child that, when that child is treated unfair. He can react with anger, or he can forgive with humility. You see the difference? They have to learn to forgive. And one of the issues in life that you must be put under, and I assure you that God the Father will put you under this, he will put you under unfair situations so that you grow. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells you this. This is a test that's common to all the humans. You grow, so you learn to respond with forgiveness and not react with arrogance. So, if you have an anger issue on the job, or if you have an anger issue with family, this is what's going on in your mind. You are reacting with arrogance and you're not responding with forgiveness. Now, let me ask you a question Did you sin this year yet? Oh, you did? You have sinned? Well, would you like for God to react with anger or to forgive with humility? I think you would choose the forgiveness, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you rather be forgiven than turned into a pot of fire? The Bible says in Philippians 2.5 that our Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and took on the form of a man. He introduced true humility. If you want to learn about humility, look at the mind of Christ and see what he thought and how he was treated. What were those words he said on the cross? Father, forgive them. What was the last thing you said when you got angry? Smoke them, Lord. Burn them at the stake. You got mad, didn't you? You wanted the Lord to intercede and wipe out your enemies. I know. Listen. Listen. Your arrogance is always triggered by anger. Your anger is always related to your arrogance, is what I'm trying to say. So the sooner a child learns to deal with anger, the better off he's going to be in life. So let's go back. Point two, being disciplined unfairly is often the cause of rebellious anger. And point three, the sooner a child learns to deal with his anger, the better off he's going to be in his life. And point four, anger is always related to arrogance. So point five, and think about this. If you have children or you have grandchildren that have anger issues, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Point five, if the child grows up to be an adult and does not learn to control their anger, they will be explosive, irrational, Self-centered and hypersensitive. There's no way around it. That's what's going to happen. And so they have to learn to control their anger. They must learn to control their anger. Point six. Anger is a mental attitude sin. Anger is a mental attitude sin that expresses antagonism. It expresses hatred remember there are three types of sins things that you say things that you think and things that you do and anger is one of the things you think it motivates you to say something and it motivates you to do something did you hear that verse i started off with earlier let me show you what anger does Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30. Now listen to verse 31. Let all bitterness, mental attitude, sin. Wrath, mental attitude, sin. Anger, mental attitude, sin. And see, there's the the process. It starts with you getting bitter. That's reacting. Then you move to wrath, thumaz anger or gay then you move to clamor and a lot of people don't know what that means that's an onomatopoeia and it means to to make the sound of a crow and so when you get angry by means of your bitterness you run your mouth like a crow barks in a tree you're running the person down to anyone that'll listen to you and so you get off to the side and you get a group of co-workers around and you tell them what a jerk your boss is. Or you get other relatives on the phone and you tell them what a jerk your child is or what a jerk your cousin is. And you run people down. That's clamor. And evil speaking, the Bible says here, let it be put away from you. Evil speaking is slander. Gossip and slander. Do you, do you know the difference between the two? Gossip is you repeating a true Slander is you repeating the lie. Neither one are allowed in the Bible for the Christian. You are not allowed to gossip, and you're not allowed to slander, which basically means keep your nose out of other people's business. And then it ends up with, along with your malice. And malice is a desire to hurt someone. This is to inflict physical pain, to get even, to hurt them, to harm them. Every one of these are conditions of sin. And that's why Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by doing these things. And so that Greek word orge refers to mental anger. And the Greek word thumos refers to emotional anger. But both are related. And both come from bitterness. Orge, mental anger, thumos, always relate that to thunder it's like the person that explodes in anger he's thumas some people can get angry and get over it i don't know about you but i have a hard time getting over it i have a hard time letting it go i have a hard time forgetting about it so i don't like to get angry my pastor years ago the man who trained me the man who was my spiritual mentor for 53 years of his pulpit in his church, he gave some principles on anger, and I have his notes. Let me read a few of them to you. He said that anger motivates jealousy and cruelty. Proverbs 27, verse 4. A person cannot be angry without being cruel and unfair. He said anger is related to stupidity. Ecclesiastes 7, nine. Do not be hasty to be angry in your mind, for anger resides in the bosom of a fool. You know, Satan had anger, and it turned a genius into a, well, whatever. His anger in heaven, his rebellion in heaven, his takeover attempt in heaven, Turn the genius of Satan into a complete, utter failure. And anger can turn any person into a complete failure. If you live by anger, you're going to die by anger. A person is never smart when you're angry. And this is why many stupid and many embarrassing things are said when you get angry. If you have to deal with some problem, you got to have your senses about you. You cannot afford to lose your temper and get angry. Anger, the Bible says in Galatians 5.20, comes from the old sin nature, and you have one. Now, you can confess your anger by using problem-solving device number one. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, And to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. And there have been many times that I have had to ask God to cleanse me from being a jerk. From being an idiot. From letting that other person take control of my life. You see, anger is never an isolated sin. If you get angry, you're going to stir up strife. And if you really have a hot temper, well, you're going to have a lot of problems. The Bible, my pastor years ago, told me that anger can destroy a nation. He took me to Amos 11 where it says, So the decrees of the Lord. For three sins of Eden, even for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Because he pursued his brother with a sword, stifling all compassion. His anger raged continually, and he maintained his anger forever. So a nation was wiped out because of the anger of the leader. Anger is also associated with grieving the Holy Spirit, as I gave you earlier. It's a violation of the Royal Family Honor Code. Listen to Colossians 3.8. But now you also put this aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech out of your mouth. Did you know that anger can hinder effective prayers? 1 Timothy 2 8. I desire that men in every place pray, lifting up holy hands, without anger and without dissension. And anger results in self induced misery. You make your own self miserable. Proverbs 22 8. You fail to interpret history or your circumstances correctly, and then you get frustrated, then you get angry which results in self-centered misery. So, uh, for example, if you have a problem with the politics today and you get angry every time you see your least likely politician on the TV, you got an anger issue. you got to let the Lord handle that stuff. You're supposed to pray for their leaders. That's what the Bible says. Not sit there and curse them every time they get on the TV. See, anger is a source of chain sinning, and it'll lead you from one sin to another, to another, to another. And you know what? When you're angry, people in your periphery are miserable because they don't want to be around you. You're not any fun to be with. So anger violates the royal family honor code. Remember this as we close out today. Two wrongs never make a right. So if you get angry and then add another sin to it, that's not making anything right. You don't solve a problem by creating another problem. Two, you cannot build your happiness on someone else's unhappiness. This is exactly what you try to do when you retaliate. So you're not ever going to get to be happy by retaliating and seeking revenge. Because if you try to punish someone else With revenge motivation, like verbal sins or violence, then you will step in the way between God and you're going to get your own self punished. But anger becomes involved with arrogance, and that opens the gate to all sorts of arrogant sins. Anger can even be the motivation for murder. So what do you think? Have you been angry? Do you have anger issues? then that is not the Christian life. There is a much better way to live, and it's called forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. I hope you learned something today. I hope you listened. I trust you'll join me next week, same time, same place. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.